that create joy in your life. We talked about joy last week, and, and uh, joy is mentioned like eight times in the Christmas story. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it's Christmas time, and uh, we want to we talk about joy and the choices that can create joy in our lives. But we're going to use the Christmas story to do that tonight. So, uh, so we'll look at a little bit of this. I mean, people talk about joy a lot. Uh, as we lead into Christmas, and uh, you know, if you think about it, Christmas is a joyful faith. I mean, uh, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And, and so we, we know Jesus wants us to have joy. He's, he's given us joy, and, and uh, you know, Christianity is also a singing faith where we like to sing. Some of y'all sing better than some of us, and, and, uh, but we're over... The reason we sing is we're overflowing with joy, and, and you know, we'll sing Joy to the World and, and songs like that, a lot, of, a lot of stuff about joy, and there's, you know, I love life songs this time of year because they play Christmas music all the time, and, uh, and so you can listen, listen to Christmas music and, and, uh, and, and songs all month long, and, and think about this, there's more songs about the birth of Jesus than there is any other holiday. Probably more than all the other holidays combined, actually. And, uh, and so in the Bible, joy is used a lot. Now, uh, it's, it's, it's why we say Merry Christmas, you know, uh, instead of Scary Christmas. You know, we say Merry Christmas because it's a joyful time. You know, at uh, Halloween, people go boo and try and scare each other or whatever. But, but uh, that's, that's what it is. So I want you to think with me. Uh, you know, we're in a celebration of a joyous event. Jesus is coming into the world. That's what we celebrate, the birth of Jesus, not the new iPhones, not, new, you know, all the stuff that you're going to get, but uh, we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. So think, think about what brings you joy in your life, you know, and uh, what, what are the things that, that, that just make you smile, that give you that warm feeling, that, that, that give you that joy? You know, I mean, we know joy is an emotion. Uh, you know, but, but we also know it's way more than an emotion, right? So uh, let's look at what it is just for a minute. So first of all, look at happiness. Well, happiness, write this down, is based on what happens. Happiness is based on your circumstances. It's based on what's going on around you. Uh, you know, we were finally happy after five weeks of not being happy uh, on Sunday afternoons with the Saints. You know, they finally won a game. You know, you can be happy. That's circumstantial. Uh, you know, you might get a bonus at Christmas. That, that'll cause you to do the happy dance, you know, and, uh, or whatever it is. You, that's just circumstantial. That's, that's what that is, it's t and it's temporary. It depends on what's happening to you and around you. Now, joy, on the other hand, joy is based on our choices. You see, it's, it's based on our choices. It's based on our character. It's longer-lasting. And you can have joy in the middle of a sad time. You can have joy in the middle of grief. I was with a friend of mine last night whose mother died yesterday afternoon, and he could still have some joy because he knew his mother was one in a better place. She wasn't sick, uh, and she, he'd had her for 90 years. You know, he, was, he said, man, she got to meet my son. He had a child in his later years, and uh, he said she got to meet my son and spend this time with him. And there's no regrets, you know. And so he had joy even in a moment of sadness. And so you can have that because joy is, is something we choose. It's a, it's a choice we make. Now, somebody in a book 
said joy is this. It's the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will, work, will be all right, and the determined choice to praise God and all things. Now, I like that because it said it's the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. Now, he's not saying that, that it's all good right now, but he's saying, look, it's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. And so because of that, they're saying they can praise God in, every, in everything. See, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. God wants to give you, wants you. God wants you and me to live a joy-filled life. That's why Jesus said, hey, I give you my joy. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's, I think the world would be a better place if more people walked around with joy. Think about it. If more people walked around filled up with joy, we'd have a whole lot less people getting carjacked, robbed, and all that stuff going on. Why? Because they, they wouldn't be cranky and ugly. They wouldn't be scared. They wouldn't be looking uh, to hurt other people. They're walking around joy-filled lives. But the truth is, we don't all have joy all the time. You don't, and I don't either, do we? And, uh, and so we don't, have, we don't experience joy all the time. I don't, you don't. And, and, and why is that? It just kind of leaks out. We just kind of, you know, we leak, it leaks out of us or it's stolen out of us. And so I want to talk about some joy thieves tonight. Uh, you know, there are thieves that steal your joy. And we're going to look at, at three of them and, and talk about how to get around those. The, the joy thieves will steal the joy right out of your life. They fight against you having any joy in your life. And, uh, and, and listen, we live in a negative world that's always coming to get, it is hard to live a positive joy-filled life in this world. I mean, some of y'all work in some pretty rough places, you know, and, and, um, and you know, and so it, it's, a, it's a negative world we live in, and it's tough. You've got to fight to, to live a joy-filled life. That kind of is a contradictory sentence, isn't it? Fight to live a joy-filled life. But anyway, so not everybody around you is joyful and positive all the time, and, uh, and so we're going to look at these joy thieves and what we can do. So let's look at them. Three choices that will restore your joy. The first joy thief is anxiety. It's anxiety. I mean, when you get stressed out, you're not full of joy. Kenny was asking me earlier, Pastor Robert, what's wrong? Are you all right? I was stressed because I was way behind on getting these slides ready. And, and, uh, and so you're just not full of joy when when that's going on, anxiety will steal your joy. Listen, when you're anxious, you're full of fear, you're full of worry, you're stressed, and, and when anxiousness comes in, joy just goes right out the back door. And, uh, and so uh, that's the first joy thief. Now, listen, when we read the Christmas story, you know, we read it and we're thinking, oh, that's nice. A virgin had a baby and, and all that stuff, and it sounds good. But we don't realize the stress that those characters were under. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about it. That first Christmas was, was pretty stressful. First of all, Mary was probably 13 or 14 years old. And, and, and you know, and, and so people got married back then about 12. But Mary, she's not a 30-year-old mature woman or a 20-year-old young lady that's dealing with what's fixing to happen. She's a 13 or 14-year-old girl. Now, some of y'all have had 13-year-old girls in your house. Some of y'all may have them. And, and so that's where Mary's at. And, uh, and so, you know, it, it, listen, um, she's a young teenager. 
And, and all of a sudden, she finds out she's pregnant. Now, can you imagine? She goes home, says, hey, Mom, by the way, I'm pregnant. But I didn't do anything. How many of y'all going to believe that story? You know, I mean, how many of you would have believed it with your, your daughter coming in? Mom, I didn't do anything, I promise, but, uh, you know. No, nobody's going to believe it. That's a lot of stress. I mean, you know, Mary's mom, I'm sure she didn't believe it. So the virgin birth thing caused a lot of stress. Then she lives in a small town. She's going to be a single mom, so you know they're going to be talking, especially when she starts showing. And, uh, and so nobody's going to believe that God is the father of the baby. I mean, just think about it. You know, we, we put blinders on when we talk about this story, but, you know, we're not thinking about the reality uh, yeah, she's an unwed teenage mother, 13, 14 years old. And, and so, you know, uh, so th she's there. And then a couple of days before she's due, the government says, hey, we want to raise your taxes. That's what governments do, right? And they say, so you got to go back to take a census to your hometown. And so it's about a two days ride on a donkey. Now, she's about to pop. Now, some of y'all have been pregnant, right? Think about, would you want to ride on that donkey for two days? No, but, but I mean, you know, all the movies make it look very romantic, kind of. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a, it's a religious experience. Mary's on the donkey. That's a rough ride. That's not like riding in an Escalade or something. I'm, you know, I mean, you know, that, that's, a, that's a tough ride. And so that's just a couple of days. You know, she's about eight and a half months ready. She's at that point where, you know, you, you, I know how y'all ladies are. You look at your husband at about eight and a half months, and you go, you did this. And there's a different voice coming out. And I worked in a hospital that delivered about 300 babies a month for a while. And, and I've seen some women that, I mean, they took men by the throat just about, you know. And, and, and so when those labor pains are hitting, and so Mary's on a donkey. And, uh, and so they get to Bethlehem, there's no hotel rooms. They stay in a barn. There's no hospital, no nurse, no doctor, no midwives. Just Joseph, who's never even kissed her yet. And, and uh, you know, and, and he's got to deliver this baby. And she's probably going, have you ever done this? Well, maybe to a donkey. Oh, I, you know, and, I mean, think about it. I mean, they're, they're in this barn. And, uh, and, and so then, to top it all off, an angel shows up and says, you're giving birth to the Son of God. Now, talk about pressure. You know, I mean, it's all, it's all stressful. And, and so every time an angel shows up, I don't know if you notice this throughout the story, Every time the angel shows up, whether it's to Mary, Joseph, the, the uh, shepherds, the what's the first words out of his mouth? Don't be afraid. Why? Because they're all afraid when an angel shows up. And so and a lot of stress. So let's look, at, let's look at some choices Mary made to deal with this stress, with this anxiety. Number one, write it down. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept his plan. She chose. She chose to trust God. So can you and I. And, uh, and so let's just read some of it. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. There it is. Don't be afraid. Basically, that angel is telling Mary that she's been chosen by God to carry the Son of God. You've been chosen, you know, 
and, 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 and uh, you know, to, to, to carry the Son of God. She had a purpose. God had picked her for a purpose. And let me tell you something. God's chosen everybody in this room for a purpose. Not necessarily to carry the Son of God, uh, as Mary did, but he's given us, he, we all have at least one purpose, which is to share Jesus with other people. And so he's chosen you and me as well. And we'll miss out if we don't make the same decision Mary made, which is to trust God and, and, and accept his plan. And, and so until we're ready to say, okay, God, whatever it is, I'm in. That's what, that's what he's looking for. Whatever it is, I'm in. And so ne- the next statement by the angel also causes a little stress. In, in uh, Luke 1, verse 31, he says this, you will conceive birth and give birth to a son. Now, she's, she don't have a nurse. She don't have epidurals. Conceive, give birth. She's single. You will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he'll reign over Israel forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. So he's going to be the Son of God. He's going to be the king who rules over the world, and I've got to train him up. I've got to give birth to him and train him up. That's what she's thinking. And, uh, you know, and so uh, it's not an ordinary announcement. You know, most of the time we send out, hey, it's a boy or it's a girl. This the angel said, it's the son of God, and you're carrying him. And uh, so it wasn't a, normal, wasn't a normal thing. And so the baby she's carrying is going to be a king. And so Mary asks the obvious question in verse 34. She's, Mary asks the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit. Now, she didn't have a clue who the Holy Spirit was at this time. I mean, when the angel said the Holy Spirit, we know who the Holy Spirit is, right? Because we look at it back with us. They didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. They knew you had a death angel. They knew every now and then the power of God had come upon somebody like Samson or David or somebody, but they had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will to be born will be holy. Now, that's scary right there, too. And then he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Now, now listen. With what I've just read to you, if you were Mary, you'd be a little bit anxious too, wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. You're carrying the Son of God. You're going to give birth in a, in where the donkey stays. And, and, and so think about it. You're going to be anxious. So I want, you to, I want you to think about what are you anxious about this Christmas? What's causing you some anxiety here this Christmas? Is it your family? Maybe you're worried about your family. Maybe, maybe you're worried about jobs. Or if you're a business owner or a supervisor, maybe you're worried about you can't find workers. Uh, or maybe you're worried about COVID, a little bit of resurgence. It seems to be mild and or whatever, maybe you're worried about finances, uh, or maybe your health, you know. Uh, some of you might be worried, am I ever going to get married? I mean, or, or maybe, uh, will I stay married, or how can I get rid of him, or whatever, you know. And, and so you're worried about different things. God wants to take that worry from you. Say, I don't know what you're worrying about, but the antidote is the same. Excuse me, that food was too good. I don't even need to know what you're worried about. Here it is. You've got to trust God and accept his plan. You've got to trust God and accept his plan. No formula. You just have to trust God 
and accept his plan. This means that you take everything that you're worried about, family, finances, job, whatever, relationships, and you give it to the Lord. That's what Mary did. That's the choice Mary did on that first Christmas. Let's look at this next verse. Here's what she said. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That's a very mature response from probably a very immature 13-year-old. You know, and, and so she's responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And, uh, and so, man, she basically said, I'm willing to allow God to do whatever he wants to in my life. And that's what we need to tell God. God, I'm, I'm open. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm open for it. Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever, have you ever said, you know, God, I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm yours. And if you haven't, that's why you're worried. That's why you're having anxiety and stuff like that. And uh, so you're stressed because you hadn't made the Mary decision. You hadn't decided to, to trust God and accept his plan for your life. And, but when you do, the result of trusting him is always joy. It's always joy. And uh, because Luke 147 says, My spirit finds its joy in God my Savior. Where's joy come from? Our Lord. That's where it comes from. And so you're not going to find joy on social media. You're not going to find joy on TV. You're not going to find joy in eating out. Our spirit finds joy in God, our Savior. We've got to trust him and accept his plan. Number two, the destroyer of uh, joy is resentment over hurt. Can't hardly see that, but resentment over hurt. And, uh, and so uh, you, you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. So resentment comes when we've been hurt. And, uh, and so everybody in this room has been hurt by somebody at one time or another. Every one of us. Um, and, and unless you're pregnant and there's somebody in your stomach, that person hadn't been hurt yet. But every one of us living has been hurt by someone. And either by words or actions, either intentional or unintentional. Uh, maybe a hurt from your past is still preventing you from having joy in your life. Now listen, I'm, I, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, we've all been through stuff, and I'm sorry that you ha- are having to go through stuff. We live in a broken world. Life's not fair. God never said it would be. The world is filled with sin and sinful people who hurt other people, and as a result, we have all been wounded at some point. Maybe you've been prejudiced against or, or looked over for promotion or betrayed by somebody that uh, you know you thought you could trust. Maybe you felt rejected, and it's different. Difficult to get past that. I, I'm with you on that. I mean, we're all in that same boat. And, uh, but here's the thing. Resentment over hurt will keep the joy out of your life. You will not experience the joy of the Lord while you're holding on to that resentment, resentment from whatever hurt uh, that you've been through. Bitterness will keep millions of people from experiencing joy in their lives. You, you, you can see it in people who carry hurt and have been carrying a grudge for years, I remember a guy who had been not spoken to his sister for 30 years, and they'd forgotten what they were mad about. I mean, think about that. You know what I mean? So resentment will keep that joy out of our lives. We've got to turn loose of those, those, um, those grudges. So listen, you can't be joyful and resentful at the same time. So what we read about Mary, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about, you know what I mean? We read about Mary, so what about Joseph? Let's look at Joseph for a minute. Uh, you know, have you thought about how he must have felt? He's all excited, man. He's engaged. 
I mean, Mary's a hottie. I, I don't know. Might, she might have been good looking. She might not have been. I don't know. But but Joseph's excited about it, and uh, and and uh, and so you know, all of a sudden, uh, she comes back from visiting her her cousin, and she's about nine months pregnant. You know what I mean? You know, and and it's like, can you imagine how he felt? He probably felt betrayed, cheated on, uh, you know, uh, devastated. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was heartbroken, and uh, and so. Uh, some of y'all have felt that. You've been betrayed like that. In the Bible, Mary and Joseph were engaged to each other. It's a little different than when we're engaged today. Well, today, if you're engaged with somebody and you change your mind, it's just like, give them that ring back. See you later, Charlie. And, uh, you know, but in the Bible, in the biblical times here, if they were engaged, it was already a legal contract. They were, they were technically married, but they couldn't have sexual relations until their wedding day a year later. And so you were kind of, had all the responsibilities of marriage and none of the benefits for a year. And, uh, and so, you know, they were, they were like that. And, and so it wasn't as easy to get out of. And, and so, but you were committed to each other. And so here Mary shows up pregnant. And she said, but I didn't do anything. I'm sure Joseph didn't believe her either. And, uh, and so just imagine, you know, a lot of hurt there. You know, he's been... He's been looking forward to having a life with her and, and all these things, and, and, and now she shows up pregnant. And, uh, man, the violation, the hurt that he must have felt. Uh, you know, if you've ever been betrayed like that, you can identify very well with that. Joseph could do several things. He could, he could divorce her quietly. He could bring charges against her and have her stoned to death. Uh, or he could continue the marriage. He had decided... You know, I mean, he's hurt, he's disappointed, but he had decided, even before he heard from God, that he was going to be gracious to her. And so write this down. When Joseph was hurt, he chose to offer grace and let it go. He was just going to basically call off the wedding. He wasn't going to charge her with adultery or anything like that. He was just going to call off the wedding. He chose to offer grace and let the pain go. And, uh, you know, have you ever, listen, Think about this with me on this story. You know, she has an angel visit her, and then after he's going to divorce her, nine months later almost, he has an angel come see him. You ever wonder why God just didn't send them both down and say, listen, I know y'all getting married, the angel. Mary, you're going to get pregnant. It's going to come from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, it's not with another guy, dude, so just chill, you know. And, and why, why didn't he do that? Well, one, he had to get Joseph ready. He had, to, he had to grow Joseph's faith. Remember, God is always working on our character, always working on our faith. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, he had to learn how to do that. He had to learn that character. He had to, he had, God had to test him, put a time of testing in him and see, are you going to be the man that I need you to be? Are you going to be the man that shows grace? Are you going to be the man that shows mercy? And he did. And he offers her grace. And in Matthew 1, 18, it says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided just to break the engagement quietly. Happens all the time today, right? So even before God has had the dream and spoken to him in the dream, he doesn't want to humiliate Mary. He wants to treat her kindly, even though he's hurt, probably a little bit angry, probably like to find the dude that he thinks might have done this. And, and you know, 
He's just going to call off the wedding. He didn't want to embarrass her. So, uh, you know, he was hurt, though. So I want you to think, who's, who's maybe somebody that's hurt you deeply? We all have somebody that's hurt us, right? You know, and, and the question would be, are you still struggling with that? You know, Joseph had been hurt deeply. And, and, and so somebody's, y'all all had somebody pop in your mind when I said that statement. Do you still struggle with that hurt? If you are, one of the reasons, uh, that's one of the reasons, if not the main reason, you're not full of joy in your life right now because you can't be resentful and joyful at the same time. And, and so listen, resentment, uh, let me just tell you, resentment's the most worthless of emotions that, on the planet. It does nothing for you except cause you harm. It doesn't, it, it doesn't change the past. It doesn't make the present better. It only makes you feel worse. And the person you're mad at usually has no clue that you're even mad at them. But somehow our minds think that if we hold on to hurt and we keep rehearsing it in our mind over and over and again, it'll go away. It won't. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And uh, it keeps on. And, and when you're rethinking it and rehashing what somebody did, you're giving them permission to keep hurting you. They can't hurt you again if you don't let them. But when you rehearse things in your mind and you hold on to it, you're giving them permission to keep hurting. And so you've got to make that Joseph choice to let it go. And so, uh, listen, I, I want to see all of you having success in your life and your faith walk and joy, but you cannot walk in success and, and enjoy with resentment in your life. And when people have hurt you, we've got to be able to forgive and let that go because when you rehearse it in your mind, it just keeps on hurting you and hurting you and hurting you again. And it's just not a good thing to do that. And so let it go. It's easier said than done, but there's a process to do that. And uh, you can let it go. You don't, you don't forgive people because they deserve it. Nobody deserves forgiveness. I didn't deserve forgiveness that Jesus gave me. You didn't deserve the forgiveness that Jesus gave you. But we forgive because we want to give grace. And because we don't want to hold on to the pain anymore. You forgive others, and it sets you free. And, uh, and so even if the other person doesn't respond, uh, you might go apologize and ask somebody to forgive you uh, for something you did or something, and, and they don't accept it, but you did what you're supposed to do. And, and so, you know, with Joseph, God didn't keep him in the dark forever. You know, he's made that decision. He's going to forgive and just put her away quietly, break off the marriage, and then God sends him an angel. And here's what happens in verse 20 of Matthew 1. He said, and as he considered this, as he thought about I'm not going to hurt her, I'm just going to put her away, we're going to break off the engagement. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid. There he is again. Every time these big old angels show up, first thing you got to say is don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph had the same experience with God Mary did. He, he, God told him and he took her as his wife. He made the choice to forgive. After he made that choice to forgive and, and not hold it against her, the angel appeared to him. He didn't get bitter. He got blessed with the responsibility of raising the Son of God. Can you imagine? I mean, that, I wonder if they ever had to whip Jesus. Have you, I mean, anybody besides me think weird thoughts like that? And, and, I mean, you know, did Jesus ever get a whipping? I mean, you know. And it, can you imagine spanking the Son of God? Uh, that'd be kind of like 
That'd be kind of like you're mean to an employee one time, and one day he's your boss. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't know. But they, just think about it. They had the blessing and the responsibility of raising the Son of God. Now, you got a choice. Do you want to get better or bitter, or do you want to be blessed? And, uh, and so Nehemiah 8.10, Nehemiah said this, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Then he said this, Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We get our joy from the Lord, and we need to learn that verse. We need to quote that verse. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Not what's going on right here. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You don't have to, you don't have joy, uh, you, you know, when you're bitter. You, you've got to have joy instead of bitterness and rage, and God wants you to have that. The third destroyer of joy is confusion. Confusion. And when you're confused about life, that will steal your joy. When you don't know what your purpose is or, or what you need to do next, That'll kind of steal the joy. You can't figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, you keep second-guessing yourself. You just can't make up your mind. You kind of lose your joy when that goes on. Confusion will steal your joy. The question everybody wants to know, though, is how do I know the direction of my life? And, you know, How do I know the direction of my life? And, and at this first Christmas, everybody was confused uh, except the angels. I mean, think about it. Mary was confused. She's going, wait a minute, how can I have a baby when I hadn't been with anybody? Joseph was confused, you know, and then, and then Herod was confused. He's, he's hearing about a king. He said, but I'm king, you know, and then, and then, uh, you know, and then Jerusalem was confused because when, when they found out the Messiah had been born, the Bible says Jerusalem was in an uproar, and, uh, and so all kinds of stuff was going on, but the wise men were confused as to how to find the king of kings. They didn't have GPS back then to follow. Uh, they followed a star. Now, now look at how they responded. Write this down. Number three, when they were confused, the wise men were confused, they chose to follow God's light one step at a time. I used to think, man, God, I wish you had just shown me the whole plan at one time. Guys, I want you to think back with me. If God had showed me the whole plan at one time of everything I was going to go be through between when I thought that and now, They'd have been going, uh-uh, God, we, we need to renegotiate. We, you know, that, we'd be afraid of it. But, you know, so he shows us one step at a time. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands land, arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? Not the thing to say to the king, okay? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. Herod was a wicked, evil man. He was a great builder, by the way. So if, if you ever get to go to the Holy Land, you'll see a lot of the things he built. But, but he was a wicked, evil man. And when Herod was upset, people died. And so they were afraid. So the whole place was upset. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but the wise men had seen that star and had been following that star. They didn't have a road map. They just followed that light. And it said then in verse 8, said, Then he told them, Go into Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Now, you know and I know Herod was not going to go worship the child. He's going to kill him. 
And uh, so he, you know, he plotted to kill the baby. Now there's that, you know, there's a downside to seeking Jesus. When you follow Jesus, people might not like you serving the Lord, and and they're gonna come at you. And and some people get upset, just like Herod did. And and uh, people try and get close to God. It makes others uncomfortable. Some of y'all have experienced that with friends that you had. Herod wasn't gonna worship the child. He was gonna kill him. He knew this. Or we knew this because, and the wise men knew it because God warned them in a dream, and we read about that. So the wise men don't stop looking for Jesus until they find him. They're persistent. A lot of people look for Jesus. They get close, and they give up. They get close, and they give up, and they don't, they don't keep looking. So keep seeking God until you find him for yourself. You've got to have that experience where it's you and Jesus. It, you can't, it's not just about church. It's about you and Jesus. And so in verse 9... He said, after this interview, the wise men went their way. They didn't go back the way uh, th- through Herod. It said, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went, ahead of, it went ahead of them, and they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. See, they found Jesus, and they were overjoyed. That's what happens when you find Jesus. How many of you can remember back to when you accepted Christ as your Savior? I mean, you were excited. It's a good feeling when you finally know and realize my sin's been forgiven. Jesus has come into my life. Life has changed. And, and, and they were overjoyed, and they worshiped him, and they gave him gifts. They were excited. Look, think about this with me. God, God gave these guys a little light. He didn't give them a road map. They didn't have a phone that had GPS on them. Uh, you know, our problems, we want a map, don't we? We want God to lay it all out there so we can see it. So wait a minute, God, I don't like this part right here where I've got to go over here. I think maybe I should do this, you know. We want the map. And God says, no, I want you to go that way. I want you to go that way. That's what God does. He, said, he says, says, Robert, you go that way. I'm, I'm going to show you the little details as you need them. And, uh, but we want that whole map. And, and listen, if God gave us the map, we wouldn't have to trust him, would we? We, we would just know the next step. But God gives us that that, that direction, he gives us a compass. <laughs> it says, you go that way on the compass. And, and so you just keep going the right direction on that compass. And, uh, and, so, and, and so then the, the light that we get that shows us exactly where to go is the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says the Holy Spirit will tell you, go here, go there. And, uh, and so he, as, as we uh, listen, as we go in the right direction of that, comp- that compass, the light will guide us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Look what Psalm 119 says. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and light my path. You know, the more you get in the word of God, the more you're reading your Bible, the more that light is going to direct you in particular uh, directions. You know, the, the, the word of God, the, the more that you get, the more direction you're going to get in your life. The wise men got to where they were going. In Matthew 2.11, it said they entered the house saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I'm not going to get into what those mean tonight, but, but uh, they finally met Jesus. I'd ask you, whether you're watching tonight or you're in this room, have you really met Jesus? Now, as I look around, I think most of you have. And, uh, but we've got we to know him personally. So I was in church all my life. And finally, I met Jesus personally. How do you know if you really meet Jesus? Let's look. 
I think like the wise men, you're going to be so overwhelmed with joy and humble gratitude, you're going to want to worship him. And, uh, and when you realize what God is doing in your life, it's humbling and it's joyful. And number two, when you meet Jesus, you want to worship him and you want to give him gifts. And you do it out of gratitude for what he's already done in your life. You don't do it to try and earn his favor. Uh, you, don't, you don't worship him hoping he's going to bless you. you. You worship him because he's blessed you so much already. See, these wise men opened up their treasure boxes and gave their gifts to Jesus. So I would ask you tonight, what's, what's in your treasure box? What's in your treasure box that you need to give Jesus? Is it a job? Is it, is it uh, you know, it's whatever it is, it's the things you value the most. Is it your kids? Maybe it's your plans. Your money, you know, I've got these plans, Lord. Well, give them to him. Are you willing to give those to him? Are you willing to let him control your hobbies or, or your finances or, or your family, you know? And, and, and think, what is it that you need to open that box up and give to the Lord? And, uh, and so, not talking about money at all. Talking about what is it that you value, that you're holding on to, that you need to give to the Lord? See, some of y'all, you've lost your joy because of anxiety. You've got a lot of worries going on right now. And, and, and so we need to learn to trust God and accept his plan. Some of y'all have lost your joy because you've been hurt. You keep thinking about it, and it hurts every time you keep thinking about it. And some of you have lost your joy because of confusion. You don't know maybe what you're supposed to do now. You've gone through some major changes. last two years have been rough, and you don't know what you to do next. Here's what I know. doesn't matter why you've lost your joy. God wants to give it back to you. That's why he said, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be uh, joyful, great joy for all people. So maybe we need to pray this prayer together in Psalm 51, 12. It says this, restore to me, this is David praying, the joy of your salvation. Let's say that together. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Now, a lot of times we quote that, restore to me the joy of your salvation. We leave off the second part. Because joy comes when we obey him. So bow your heads, close your eyes. God, I don't believe that you want us to live a joyless life. I believe you want us to have your joy. And, uh, and Lord, we don't want to just exist. We want to live.